Hi, I'm Nikki Schrera, and you're listening to The Jazz Session, the original jazz interview podcast. This is episode 577 for the 1st of December 2021. Trumpeter Nadia Nordhase hails from Australia but makes her home in New York City, where she performs both as a band leader and as an in-demand sideman with leaders like Maria Schneider, Darcy James Argue, and Anat Cohen. A finalist in the 2007 Thelonious Monk International Jazz Competition, her new genre-bending quintet features Maeve Gilchrist, Jesse Lewis, Ike Sturm, and James Shipp. The group coolly blends acoustic and electric instruments, seamlessly weaving Nadia's melodious compositions with threads of improvisation. Featuring her pure-toned trumpet with electronic effects, this group released an album recorded live in Switzerland as part of a vinyl-only box set on Nouvelle Records in 2019. Lucky for us, this album, Gulfos, was digitally released on Little Mystery Records in September 2021. It is hands down one of my favorite releases of 2021. Love at first listen. And I was so delighted when I heard it, immediately reached out to Nadia and had her generously agree to be a guest on the podcast. Here is our conversation. Nadia, welcome to the Jazz Session. Thank you so much. Well, oh, I should say welcome back. It's been nearly 10 years since you were on the show. And I always like to tell listeners when it is a repeat customer, because hopefully they finish listening to this episode and then they go back into the archives and dig up the old episode and do a little, you know, compare and contrast and decide whether in fact you have gotten better or worse as a player. <laughs> and then they can... <laughs> Or more jaded and tired. Exactly. They're like, wow, in 2012, she sounded so perky and optimistic. (laughs) Now she just sounds like she needs a good sleep. (laughs) Exactly. Nadia Nadia became haggard. Um, (laughs) So worn out. Exactly. Um, Like an old carpet. (laughs) Well, you look very fresh for an old carpet, I will say. Oh, thank you very much. You look dust free. Thank you. 
happy release day to your new baby, Girl Foss. Am I saying yes. that correctly? Yep, that's it. Which is out today <clears throat> on Little Mystery Records. I should say out today in digital form. Yes. Yeah. Because you will is, give us the backstory as to how this album came to be. It's an mm -hmm. astonishing album. And oh, thank you. It's a pleasure. And I think part of what really gripped me about it is the fact that it's come out at this moment in time. After a very harried period for everyone the world over, it kind of speaks to, I guess, the human want to really just take a beat and to luxuriate in sounds that make one relaxed, make one feel hopeful, that move one. And I think that speaks to your really brilliant ability to meld the kind of cinematic and the jazz worlds. Because I know that's what what is appealing to me for sure. Awesome. Um, I just found it emotionally incredibly moving. And I would love for you to tell us how this glorious album came to be. Okay. Well, it's, it's a little bit of a, a strange sort of <laughs> story. I, I actually, um, I met this Swiss um, promoter um, and producer of, of concerts um, at the 55 bar in New York. And so um, my friend Matt Cloessy had done some gigs in this club in, in Switzerland and had invited him down to hear hear my gig and so he was like oh if you ever coming to Europe let me know and you know you can come do a gig at, at my club and so we we sort of stayed in touch every couple of you know every six months or so he'd be like Are you coming to Europe and I'm like no <laughs> um and then eventually he said do you do you want to come to to Switzerland and do a live record I'm like yes <laughs> yes I do so that was pretty incredible really like just to think that you know, just just a, a regular old gig that I had would lead to something like this. And so it was part of, it was to be recorded as part of a, a vinyl only box set for Nouvelle Records that's led by Alain Mella. And so I spent about a year sort of conceptualizing what that would sound like and what would I want? Because obviously vinyl is so warm and, <laughs> and cozy and, and, you know, 20 minutes per side. And so I just, just, um, and, and, you know, originally I thought, oh, well, I'll bring the band that I had at the 55 bar, you know, but then I'm just like, oh, it's not quite sitting with what I hear on vinyl. So I, I rudely, I just had to say, uh, I'm, <laughs> I want to go in this other direction. And, and, and as I was trying to work out what it sounded like, I think, I forget who it was, but said, well, who, who are your favorite people to play with? I'm like, well, Maeve, Gilchrist, James Ship, Ike Sturm, and Jesse Lewis. And I'm like, there's the band. <laughs> so it's really two bands in one because Ike Sturm and Jesse Lewis have their duo Endless Field and James and I have our duo. And Maeve has played with all of us. <laughs> But it was the first time that we actually had played all together. So I just wrote a bunch of music that I thought um, would sound good. And we did a test run uh, at Subculture in New York. And then we flew to Switzerland. <laughs> and, then, and what was amazing it was it's this incredible club that it's, it's part of like an aged care home. It's like on it's like the gym. And but they've they've done it so they they just totally transform it into this most glorious gorgeous jazz club like full like state of the art everything, 
and 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 it's amazing with all these like black curtains and lamps and comfy couches and things. I mean, it's just absolutely amazing. It was just like this alternate reality. Um, and we had we were just treated so beautifully. Like Stefan Detelm is the name of the the promoter and producer, and he's he's just a wonderful human and treated us so beautifully and made like these like gourmet meals and it's just it was just like i can't ever tour again because this is like the best experience ever um and so we recorded over three nights it was just one set each so there was a live audience and you would never it sounds like a studio record you would never know that it was a live album <laughs> so so that goes that's like that just goes to show how amazing you know, all the, you know, the, the engineers were, um, so, so yeah, so it was released on vinyl, um, in 2019. And then I got the masters earlier this year. So I'm releasing it on like digitally. <laughs> so it's out, out streaming and on Bandcamp. I have so many questions, Nadia. Firstly, God bless the Swiss yes. for just doing it all right. And, and so Stefan as well. Good. Yeah. Secondly, I mean, poor Matt Closey, you know, I mean, I guess some good deeds are not rewarded. I know, I know. I felt bad. I thanked him on the vinyl record. I'm like, thanks, Matt, for setting this up. I'm yeah. sorry I didn't. I didn't, he didn't do the record. But I mean, he, he must, look, he, Matt's fine. In fact, somebody... um. Jared Schoenig was talking about him the other day. He's fine. He's got work. He's fine. Everyone, he's fine. He's totally yeah. good mm -hmm. and very nice of him. And I'm sure he's thrilled. Stefan must have been delighted when he heard about what you had conceptualized for the record and who your ensemble was. Was he thrilled? And then how hands-on was he, you know, from that point forward as a, I, I guess, producer, which is how he's credited? he was basically bring whoever you want and do whatever you want it was so open it was it was the dream so like no no one had any input on <laughs> on <laughs> what to do which was fantastic you know and i mean i you know i i i wrote the tunes you know i, I <laughs> and and i picked which ones you know i was in the studio telling the engineer you know what I wanted you know <laughs> which is not because I mean I've got a background in sound so you know so that that must have been really annoying <laughs> but whatever I don't care like the results I think speak for themselves so it was really like it was basically just the dream project that I got to do exactly what I wanted like at no point is it like oh I wish I could have would have been able to do this or whatever like it and you know it's all it's all you know my, my fault and I guess you'll never record again because really you know you've been ruined so I'm so glad that we get to talk about your final my final album record. your final well, missive to the it's, world it, it's funny you should say that because we're actually going back into the studio in December so so there's another one on the way okay delighted to hear that we will not mourn while listening to Gulfos <laughs> right well it's going to be a little bit different than the others so maybe we'll just we will be mourning something oh no well <laughs> Off air, we were talking about travel and wanderlust mm -hmm. and yes. how you said that you really have a desire to travel more. Mm -hmm. And I have to say that if the results of your travel, what you capture or document of that travel in an audio form, Nadia, are anything to go by, um, and I'm 
speaking about golfers as an as an example, uh, then please do get in that van and travel more. Excellent. Because because this was inspired right by a trip you took to Iceland. Tell us about that. Yeah. So for for a big birthday that I had, I took myself to Iceland and your rent- sweet 16 yes my sweet yeah. 16 yes yes plus a little bit <laughs> um so i you know i rented a car and then i just drove around and looked at stuff you know and it was just so amazing it was like in my mind it was like being on the moon like it was so it was like a like a landscape i'd never seen before like ranging from these sort of like you know black volcanic rocks <laughs> like it's just like piles of rocks I'm like what what is going on and then or you would just drive for like you know hours and there'd just be like this and just this enormous plane you know and but then you'd turn the corner and then suddenly there would just be this completely different view and I just kept yelling to myself in the car it's like whoa like because it was just so insane and and there's the the tourist road I think it's called the the, the ring road or something this, this I forget what it's called <laughs> anyway circle line no that's that's around New York no anyway something circular anyway um and there's this waterfall called Golfos and so I remember pulling out you know Google Maps is just like yep you're here and I'm like I don't see anything like where's this enormous waterfall <laughs> but you know I just I just saw like you know like a tourist shop or something you know but then a set of stairs and so I walked down the stairs and I'm like oh my goodness because it's this massive canyon that you can't even see from the road and throughout the whole canyon is just this incredible waterfall and it was so powerful but there was this big mist that came up that was almost like as as tall as the you know taller than the canyon so it was just like I just never seen anything like it and so I just sort of stood there like getting drenched with with you know like another you know hundred tourist friends just sort of sat there just like oh my god it's amazing and it was just it was just incredible it's just such an amazing landscape I can't you know, I can't describe it in like, you know, 30 seconds, but there's just so much to see. And, and it was just so beautiful. And it was such a great connection back to nature. And, um, and I had missed that, like, you know, being in the city for so long, you know, it's just, it's just such a completely different experience. And it just puts a different spin on life. You know, it just really like boils everything down to the basics. So I really, it was, it was just a really wonderful trip. And so I got back and I was in my practice space and I'm like, okay, I'm going to write a tune about, (laughs) like, about the waterfall. And so I was just, I, I write at the piano. So I just, I just put my phone on top of the piano and hit record on the, my voice memo. And I just improvised something. And that's actually Golfos, the tune, like from start to finish, it's just, I wrote out these in there's like some weird measures of three or whatever, you know, like, I'm like, I'm just going to transcribe exactly as I played it. So, and that's, and that's the tune. So it took, you know, three minutes to write, which are my favorite kind of tunes, actually. Yeah, I think those are the good ones. Yeah, most composers would be like, yes, three minute tunes, you know, that come to you like a gift. Yes. Those are my favorite. And in, yes. in many ways, those are the hardest. I mean, they come when they come. Yes. And more often than not, they don't. They don't. I used to have this um, little compositional game that I used to play and it was called Write a Tune in Five Minutes. 
so so yeah and it was sometimes it would happen and sometimes it wouldn't but for me like there's a couple of other tunes like on my first album there's a tune called magnolia that was another one just like straight out you know um open road on that album there's the most of it you know was 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 pretty much straight out as well you know so so you know to me i'm like oh that's sort of like straight from some sort of source you know whatever whatever that may be so um yeah i i i feel like there's a bit of value if if i like something that i've written really quickly then that's generally you know one that may make some sort of record at some point what I appreciated so much about this album and the music on it is that because I knew that it was inspired by this trip you'd taken in some ways it allowed me as the listener to travel vicariously through you which at the moment I think a lot of people are feeling very kind of contained and a sense of yearning certainly for wide open spaces because mm -hmm. we've all been in our homes for so long and especially if you live in a city like New York it's you know often a shoebox of a home. Yes. So I think to really create, be able to experience and create that sense of expansiveness, even from the confines of my own lounge, mm -hmm. was orally a complete luxury. And it really did achieve that. Fantastic, fantastic. I mean, I, th I, th I thought, I thought, you know, when I was conceptualizing it, that I wanted it to be almost like an, like an armchair traveling sort of sort of sort of vibe because you know there's there's tunes a lot of them about places in australia or trips that you would take in australia there's a tune indian pacific which is about the train line that 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 runs right across australia and there's some songs that sort of you know talk about like homesickness and things so so you know and then there's songs about places you know that that um there's a, a tune kalani um which has got sort of like a double meaning. I wrote that for my 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 best friend, but it's also, um, you know, it's, it, <laughs> I've never been to Scotland, but it's like, you know, I was imagining it, <laughs> you know, you know, and writing it, uh, writing it a tune about it, you know. So it's sort of, you know, it's there. There are some um, tunes inspired by my actual travel, and then there's some some by traveling that I've done in my head. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, it's brilliant. It's great. Now, Jack, the concept of it is so lovely. When you're trying to encapsulate, let's look at let's look at the title track, for example, Gulf Wars, because you had been to Iceland. When you're trying to encapsulate a very specific visual in the music, and of course, there's something also, I'm going to get maybe, you know, tweeted at for this, but there's something Nordic about the sound of Gullfoss, whether or not that's accurate or not. Uh, and I, I'm aware that's a blanket term, so, you know, but what devices, musical and creative devices, uh, even production-wise, post-production mixing and all of that, do you incorporate to try and encapsulate that very Icelandic visual in the music? Well, you know, the actual sort of source material, the, the waterfall itself is just so grand and majestic. And so I wanted to write something that had that, that vibe. Um, so, you know, I think I started out with just almost like this sort of like bass, bass line, sort of this repeat, repeated bass, bass line. Um, and then I just, you know, it's usually, you know, if I'm talking musical terms, you know, like sort of like larger intervals, you know, sort of something like uplifting, you know, and then like, in, and um, yeah, so I think I just sort of like started off with something. I mean, at, at this point, it was so sort of automatic, but it's automatic because I've done it for 20 years, <laughs> you know, you know, and really just trying to imagine, you know, it's like I'm imagining like a film in my head and I'm writing the music for it, like what what goes with it. And so, um, you know, I'm such a visual person, like I'm a visual learner, like if someone just speaks at me, I, you know, or like gives me directions, it's just like, you may, you may as well just sort of like have recited the phone book, like I can't, I can't, I don't understand anything that you're saying, you know, <laughs> um, but show me a picture and I'll remember it forever, you know, so, so it's like, I can picture it really vividly. Um, and then I just write sort of think about what would sound good um, to that. And I mean, that's obviously a very uh, simplified answer, but in terms of, you know, the orchestration, you know, I want it to open up and have like these really big grand moments. So I'm thinking about the full spectrum of, of, of harmonics and, and, and range, you know, and, and um, really that's, it's, it's also relying on the musicians because I know what they're capable of. And if I, I'm usually in the rehearsals making these big sort of hand gestures, you know, like I'm doing now, you know, but they, they can translate that and they know what that means, you know. Um, you know, I remember that we were rehearsing this tune and, and Ike, the bass player, Ike Sturm was, was playing a bass line, but I wanted him to like do more. And I was like, full Ike, full go go you know and so and then suddenly it's just like whoosh you know so um yeah and and in terms of like the post-production you know i added some effects i've got a big pedal board which i used live but for the recording i was just a bit nervous about you know triggering certain pedals and if something didn't work i didn't want to ruin the take so i was really quite conservative with it um, but I thought I'll, I'll add that in post. So there's a few, few effects, like some octave effects and things, um, you know, and there's a, a section at the end, cause I'm like, I want it, I want it to sound like water, you know, so I'm like breathing through the trumpet, like waves, um, you know, and so I'm just like, add some reverb, yeah, 
add some more, more reverb, you know? So, so, you know, I'm really trying to paint this, this picture, this, this sonic picture. So, and it's, it's so fun to do. It's just like, I love it. I love being in the studio. Like that was my original plan. You know, I never planned to be a musician. I was just going to be behind the scenes, like helping to create this stuff. So it's such a treat to be able to do both. Mm. Well, I mean, I'm so, I'm so, paint you did. And I think one of the reasons I asked you this question, Nadia, is because for anybody listening who composes or writes, it might give them ideas as to how to achieve certain sounds that we associate with certain, I guess, subgenres of jazz. Mm. And in terms of your trumpet sound, I would argue that there is a very specific trumpet sound that is like particularly Nordic. I was speaking to, uh, the, the bassist cellist Laster Nielsen, who plays with a trumpeter called Ave Henriksen. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, right? So super, mm-hmm. super Nordic and, mm-hmm. and such a presence. Mm-hmm. And your trumpet playing has the absolute same same effect. How is your approach different? Okay, if you're going to play in a big band and you're playing the, the hits of Count Basie versus if you're playing with your group and you're playing the Gulfos music, what changes? Sure. Oh, my gosh. A lot. A lot changes. I think when when I'm playing in a section, which I I do quite a lot, you know, I'm usually third or fourth trumpet. Um, you know, my aim is to blend, and I'm and I'm not only blending with the trumpets, but I'm trying to I'm trying to be the glue between the the trumpets and the trombones, you know, because and and so you know I'm I'm and if if you were to sort of isolate, just like the one line that I would I would play, you know, it would would sound so bizarre because some notes are going to be really loud and and others are, are not and some are going to you know and some you know articulations and things are going to be really exaggerated like it, it I would just not play like that at all you know if it was like a solo piece or with 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 my with my band you know and I do that because I know I know what's required because I've been playing in big bands for so long um you know and it's such an important I've, I've had some really amazing training on balance um you know especially when i was in high school actually um so so when i'm 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 with my band it's more about it's more about fully exploring my sound you know and and um you know i've spent a lot of time imagining the sound that i want <laughs> um yeah, it sounds like, oh, a lot of your time is just sitting here thinking. And I'm like, that's, that's you know, that's that's my practice. I do like I just sit and think and I I, I imagine what it could sound like. And, and also imagine the the feeling that I want to create. Like I could I usually just sort of like sit and think it's almost like, you know, I can like sort of sh- shudder, you know, like just thinking of like this sort of like, you know, you know, the full full sort of spectrum of emotion that I want to get from this particular moment, you know, what does it sound like? And, you know, how, how powerful is the trumpet sound and how clear, you know, so it, so yeah, I mean, I've listened to a lot of ECM records over, over the years. So so there's that, um, you know, that influence, but it's also just, just, you know, imagining the best trumpet sound that I can and trying to play that. Yeah. Well, I mean, good gosh, if there was ever a great advertisement for 
your methodology of sitting and imagining and conceptualizing basically away from the instrument, just in a chair, just with your mind, this album is it. Like, 100%. (laughs) And also, I will say, I mean, somebody, no names mentioned, when I said something about an ECM sound, and they said, well, actually, you know, Manfred releases all sorts of albums. and And I was like come on, don't be pedantic. We all know that there is an ECM sound and it is centered around Mm -hmm. space. And yes, there is variety under the umbrella, sure. But by and large, there is a sound. Again, I was talking to Mm -hmm. Theo Blackman, who who just released his debut album as a as an ECM uh, as oh, a band leader I should say the yeah. dream the, the dream. dream the ECM sound and yeah. and to be honest you know if you compare that album that he released with previous albums he'd released not on ECM there is a difference and he's the and he's the first mm-hmm. person to say this ECM album is about ambiance and so there is a space mm-hmm. or whatever and you have absolutely mm-hmm. captured that ECM sound on this album and it's referenced mm-hmm. in your press release and I also know WBGO just uh, published a whole like I don't know 88 albums for list for mm. anyone curious that barely scratches the surface of how much new music is coming out at the moment I was like 88 I swear I just got 120 press releases today but anyway oh yeah. you know a list of of 88 albums to check out like over the fall and yours was listed for September rightly so and I think I was it Nate who who did the write up? Nate Chin and did the write up on yours? Oh or someone? no, it was Simon Simon Rentler. Simon Rentler, and he totally spot on. I think he was like, "This lives in an an ECM mm. wheelhouse," and you were like, "Right, thank you so right. much. I'll take it." Yeah, I, I I'm like, but that's what that's where I live. Exactly. Like that's this where I've always lived, and I think you know I have this running joke with my my dear friend Luke Howard, and we recorded a duo album about about seven years ago, and we were just, I was just texting you know because we're just like oh man manfred must have lost my number you know it's always just like when's he ever gonna call like it's just we just still joke and we know that like our music has actually been been on his desk like we know that it's been been that close you know and it's just like oh you know because it's just obviously just been you know i still remember my very first ecm record that i ever heard who was it and it was it was kenny wheeler of Mm, course you know and it was that album angel song it was the tune kind folk and i still remember was and i have a very visual was i was on a train with headphones and i heard this and it was like that was the like the moment that my life changed like because I was, you know, it was second year undergrad college and I was living in Melbourne at the time. And, and it was a, it was assigned to me as like a transcription assignment. So, you know, I, I was just so busy trying to learn the language and learn the standards and learn how, how chords worked and all this stuff. And it was just so completely overwhelming. And, and, you know, in, in, sort of in in retrospect it was like i'm trying on these other people's clothes to see what fits you know like all these all these different things and i never you know like i lo- you know i love jazz i love all sorts of music i love metal i love rock like i listen to that you know um you know so it's just sort of bizarre sometimes <laughs> i'm like yo you you're releasing these very peaceful records like what are you listening to i'm like well actually uh, you know checking out some vintage slipknot the other day but you know so you know so it's just like you know i just you know it's just 12 notes i'm just curious about how everybody arranges it you know mm-hmm. 
Hi, I'm jumping on here quickly to tell you how you can best support the jazz session if you so wish. This podcast is made feasible thanks to the enthusiasm and generous support of listeners who enjoy these interviews so much that they decide to become Patreon members over at the Jazz Sessions Patreon page. There are two tiers of membership. Things are really simple. You can either sign up to pay $5 a month or $10 a month, and both those levels get you various perks. If you head to thejazzsession.com slash join, thejazzsession.com slash join, you can find out what those perks are and see if they pique your interest. I appreciate any support. If that doesn't tickle your fancy, then you're also welcome to subscribe to the podcast, rate and review it, tweet about it, Facebook about it, Instagram about it, tell your neighbor, any amount of word of mouth, good word of mouth I should add, although there's no such thing as bad press, really does help. Now, back to my conversation with Nadia. It does fit you like a glove, but yeah, when you said, has Manfred lost my number? Manfred, she's in her armchair <laughs> in New York, in Manhattan. <laughs> the the addre- exact address is, no. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, has he heard, do you know if he's received this album? I, I doubt that very much. Um, yeah, I, I, I doubt it. Um, I mean, it was only available on vinyl, you know, for the last two years and, um, you know, and it's only been out, you know, <laughs> for like 10 hours, <laughs> you know, on, on streaming, which I don't know whether he, he would, would do it all, you know, and, and I remember going to a talk that he, that he did and and that someone was like my stuff sounds like ECM how can I get it to you you know and you could tell he's just so tired of of the you know he's like if I'm meant to hear it I will you know and almost like I don't want stuff that sounds like ECM you know I want you know so so I'm like you know I this is not something that I have any control over and I'm not you know I I'm I'm not going about my work you know in order to to potentially please somebody I, it's like you know and especially with this album too like because it does sort of rock out you know on on certain tracks which is which is something that I think I would have not allowed myself to do on previous records I would be like no it has to be contained in this particular you know genre even though it doesn't quite fit you know <laughs> like it's not you know you wouldn't really have it on a playlist with you know Coltrane and Parker or whatever you know like I don't I don't know how you would classify it you know it's always just if when people say how do you, you know to describe my music I'm like oh oh first question oh I just don't know I can't I can't say because you know every album is very different and yeah, it's, it's, I, I'm, I'm like, can I just pay somebody to come up with like 10 words that I can just say, you know, or that 10 second, you know, spiel that you can say this, but I, I haven't done that yet. <laughs> Your elevator pitch. Yes. Yes. I, I have one for you. Oh, okay. Great. Manfred Eicher is missing out. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, but I do. I do want to say because I mean, I'm. I'm not. I'm not religious necessarily, or particularly spiritual. Although this music does take me very close to that place. I will tell you that for sure. Um, your music and maybe Arvo Pert, but oh, um, also oh. ECM. <laughs> oh, love, <laughs> love him. Oh my god. Yeah. Right. I do hope that he hears it, just because it's a, 
it's just a gorgeous album and it's so very you uh, i mean you. i said earlier it's a love letter to ecm but i don't mean for a second that you have finagled your way into an uncomfortable position in order you know <laughs> and you are you're just making this music and it, it's beautiful but to get back to the nitty-gritty how does the way that this album came about in that it was in essence a live album recording even though i think you had three days so you can pick and choose takes and maybe do a little bit of you know comping and editing editing together how does that change the recording process for you uh, and perhaps how you assess or just you know take in the results this wasn't like an experience that i was really like i was really quite worried because usually in the recording process i feel like i have some sort of control over what's what's happening and i'm like i'm turning up to a club that i've never been i don't know what what anything is going to be like you know I, and i was just sort of worried you know <laughs> when i look back now and just sort of laugh i'm like mm -hmm, like that was a waste of time um you know so so you know i was trying to make things as sort of as, as easy as possible, just in case there were, you know, things that would go wrong. Um, and yeah, of course, I turn up and everything is, you know, state of the art, everything is immaculate, everything is perfect, everyone is wonderful and warm and kind. And it was it was it was an absolute joy and pleasure. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it was interesting to just like run you know, it was like an hour set, run the set, and then, and then the next day, like go through it and 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 sort of make notes, and then get the get the band together and be like, okay, can we try this? Can we try that? You know, and that was just such a luxury of having having that. I mean, most most of the album is the third night, not too surprisingly. Um, yeah, and I don't think I don't think any. I don't think any tracks were comped together. There were just like straight tracks. Um, so, so what you hear is 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 pretty much it. You know, I might have added like a cymbal crash here or like tweaked a note here. You know, but I'll leave I'll leave that up. I'll just just make that a mystery. Um, you know, but but I just you know I think I think back to you know how things apparently were. Obviously, I wasn't wasn't there in the in the 50s and where people would have a residency at a club for three months and then go into the studio i mean no wonder those albums are so good but we don't have the luxury of doing that now and i mean i you know i'm i'm lucky i was i i got a grant from chamber music america to rehearse my band before going into the studio um at the end of the year the i mean the problem is that, you know this was supposed to be done last year and obviously, you know, <laughs> we know what happened, um, you know, but so, so it was really different and I was really pleased with the results. And now I'm sort of nervous about doing this other, doing it the other way, the old fashioned way of, of rehearsing um, and, and then recording. So I don't know, <laughs> it's like, I was so spoiled, you know. It really does sound like idyllic, Nadia, because 
so often the old-fashioned way to which you refer is you go into the studio, you have two or three days, maybe you can record two or three tracks, maybe four tracks a day, but you're really only getting maybe two or three goes, two or three takes for each song. The next day you come in and you're moving on to the next four tracks. Whereas the way that you did it with um, this recording is you basically had you could do all 10 tracks. Is it 10 tracks? I think it's eight. On the final? I think eight, eight. eight made the record. Mm-hmm. But let's say eight, okay. So you could basically play through the entire eight tracks, live in that world, take a beat, make notes, come back the next day, do the same thing, the entire eight tracks, and to do that two more nights. Um, and I also think, and I would imagine, especially for this music, because it is so beautifully cohesive, and there's kind of a thread that runs throughout, that getting to basically take a run at it, do all the music in one fell swoop Mm -hmm. affects everything because you don't have to basically go home at the end of the day, like press pause, take your head out of that world, deal with hooting cars and buying groceries and then come back. Like there's, you get to really just sit in it, live in it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and it was so, it was just so lovely and, and, to me like a once in a lifetime sort of sort of thing to be able to do that um you know and i think what's interesting too is <laughs> it's like you know i mean i think i think the order that we played it was the order of of the record you know and so i was also thinking okay like chops wise i'm going to be tired here so this one's not going to have that much trumpet so there's all these other decisions that i've gone into that you know but also thinking about 20 minutes 20 minutes like what you know what happens before you turn the record over you know and when when i was in high school i had a record player and and i had i feel like my my aesthetic is basically formed on these like three records that i would play over and over you know and the, and and there's a certain you know there's there's a narrative that happens on one side of a record and then there's that pause where you've actually got to obviously physically pick it up and and flip it over so so i really wanted to sort of play into that moment you know and sort of create almost like a cliffhanger <laughs> you know which which you don't obviously get in the in the digital version but um you know there's still some vinyl copies floating about <laughs> mentioned earlier sort of your role when you're playing in a trumpet section and some of the bands that you play in 
are led by the most tremendous people. You play in Maria Schneider's ensemble, you play in Darcy James Argue's ensemble, and you play in the Anat Cohen Tentet, which is, I guess, my favorite Tentet. I'm trying to think if I listen to any others, along with James Ship, the, the percussionist on this album. So what has being under the baton of such tremendous people like those taught you about band leading and being at the helm of your own ship? Well, Maria, I think, has the most incredible attention to detail that I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so so when we were recording Data Lords, you know, a couple of years ago, like that was the first time that I had recorded on any of her albums. And so to see her in the studio and watch her work and, and you know, it's like watching her brain <laughs> sort of, you know, come up with lists of things, you know, or, you know, how, you know, changes that, that she wanted to make. And I, I found it really fascinating and I found it really inspiring. Um, that was, that was actually, that was after this recording had, had, had been made, but, but still in rehearsals, you know, I've been in her band since 2015, I think. So, you know, again, that attention to detail and in that rehearsal um, time, you know, the importance of like a crescendo here or the articulation here or the balance here, like that's definitely helped me, um, you know, one of the hardest things I find is actually expressing in words what I want something to, to do. I can feel it. Um, and, but it's just really hard. Well, who was it? Was it Monk or something that was saying, talking about music is like dancing about architecture or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel a, a, a little bit, a bit like that. Cause you know, when I, if I just say like happy or, you know, like play majestically, like that doesn't, that doesn't really help. Um, sometimes I'll tell a story and and say well this is about this and then I, this is what i want you to to imagine you know and i feel like that's probably the most effective um way but i feel like if there's if a thought crosses my mind as i'm listening to that i have to 100% address it that's my little rule with myself like because if i if i'm like oh like should this be here no no it's okay like nope it it should be that's it's sort of like trusting my first instinct so um yeah that's that's some of the things that i've tried to to bring bring in as i'm sort of you know <laughs> it's the fourth album so hopefully the you know fifth album i'll be able to you know express myself a bit better in 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 rehearsal time so we can you know get get even stronger results so i find that immensely challenging the idea i often have a a sort of thing that I say to myself where I'm like, Nikki, use your words. And also if I can't if I can't quite figure out that little thing that flits by where it, it's where something says to you, it's too busy, and you want to express that to, let's say, the drummer, but you don't simply just want to say it's too busy and you have to take I'm like, take a beat, figure out why, what? Is it the stick? Is it the you know, it's really, really difficult to do. It is. It is. Um you know, because you want to trust people that, you know, like if I'm in an ensemble, I don't want someone telling me what to do. <laughs> like every five minutes, I'll, you know, I'll be like, oh, I, I got this, you know. But, you know, when it's it's like in a smaller group, you know, some sort of direction is 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 helpful. Um, yeah, 
Yeah. You don't want someone saying to you, Nadja, could you play more like Ave Henriksen? Yes, <laughs> yes. I'll be like, do you want his number? You know, like, <laughs> wait, I'll find him more, on Instagram. Yeah. How I have this kind of this yeah. yeah. No taste, more Nordic jazz. Yes, more yes, Nordic jazz. Yes. <laughs> don't you have a pedal board and a mute? Come Excellent. on. More um, waterfall. More waterfall. <laughs> More space, more breath, more breath. Yeah. Um, make like make like the ocean. Yeah, right, right. I feel like that's a muscle, apropos what you said about, you know, the more you flex it, the stronger it does become and the more efficient mm, you become mm. at using it. So it's um yeah, on ongoing challenge. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean Maria must be ferocious at all of that communicative stuff, as must Darcy and you know, and Anat. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, and it's it's really interesting to see everybody's approaches in the studio because they're all very different, you know. Um, so it's like I'm always doing like a little mental tally of, you know, what to do and then also like what <laughs> what not to do, you know. Equally, yeah, yeah. equally as precious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the people that you used to play with in the trumpet section, uh, I think, yeah, given when you joined Maria's band, you must have played with her, was somebody who taught you, and that was the late Laurie Frank. And that's somebody that Maria has paid homage to musically. She wrote Potter's Song, which is which is for Laurie. Uh, and you were also a teacher. You just came back from a very thorough teaching schedule at the Sydney Conservatorium, being roped into all sorts of things. I'm sure once people found out you were in town and you teach at Manhattan School of Music and privately... What is something that you learnt from Laurie, either when you were her student or when you were, I guess, her musical colleague playing in a a number of bands? What is something that you learnt from her that you try to impart to your students? Well, she had this way of when you, when you, if you walked into the room, like into her studio and you felt terrible, when you walked out, you felt great. So that's exactly what I'm I'm trying to do. Um, you know, my lessons in my lessons I'm trying to be as positive as as possible and it's all about problem solving. Like it's a really I think of it as a puzzle. So I'm listening and I'm like what what do they need? It's all about teaching the individual. So all my lessons are completely different. Obviously if you looked at the lesson sheets you'd be like, "Oh, there's there's similar there's similar exercises and a lot of them are based on 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 Laurie's exercises um you know but it's it's really about yeah trying to make that person feel better about their playing and feel about better better about life you know like music lessons are so rarely just about music you know it's all about that it's it's all really about life so um that's that's what I what I try to do um you know and what's funny i mean this is actually her studio this is i live in her apartment so it's like a very bizarre it's just a very like if you told me 20 years ago you know that i would be walking into this exact (laughs) when i was walking into this exact room and sort of sitting that i would be sitting you know in in her chair you know (laughs) and teaching it i just be like well, one, I would be very sad because I, I knew what that would mean, you know, but it, it is like a tremendous honour and I'm trying really hard to m- make sure that 
the way that I teach is is indicative of you know the level of of you know how she taught and Carmine Caruso before her like I'm right right above me is the original Carmine Caruso um sign from his studio you know his iconic studio in the 80s you know so it's just like um, you know I feel like I'm here for a reason you know and I'm about to hopefully um you know do some study some further study um into her teaching so hopefully in three three years I'll have more to share about that um but yeah it's a, it's a bit of a mission at the moment Sorry about the honking truck outside. <laughs> it's part, part of the charm. Yeah, everybody who I've interviewed who lives in New York, there has been honking, there have been sirens. So it's um Yeah. It's great. It's consistent. Every, it's so yeah. it's so grumpy. Um oh my gosh. There was there was gridlock yesterday and I'm just like I was counting the seconds that someone was like laying on their horn, you know? And I'm just like, why? Like, you know. We like it. It's it's it's, it's yeah 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 we do well, any, no 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 we don't like gridlock no no let me clarify we don't like gridlock but we do like honking during this podcast because it's for anybody who was doubtful for anybody who was like i think nancy is still in iceland i think she's lying right. Right. now they know you're right. not and i appreciate yeah. i was teaching i was teaching an online class to you know to to sydney and i and and it was it was 10 p.m for me you know and 12 p.m for them like the next the next day and i'm in the middle of teaching and then suddenly like sirens start up you know and i'm like oh i'm so sorry you know about the noise and they're like wow like new york sirens that's so cool like they were so excited you know to hear the sirens and i'm just like oh there's there's a few of them when you come to visit you'll 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 hear them that's for sure yeah and think they're less cool after oh, a while yeah yeah for sure well nadia i'm sure that Laurie would be delighted both by your outlook and your approach to teaching and guiding other musicians and other trumpeters and I have no doubt that she would absolutely love this album well I'm drinking to you and it's an astonishing record and I hope that people bye 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 buy it and hear it and enjoy it and I look forward to hearing about the next record when it's released oh thank you so much I appreciate your time I really do
A huge thank you to today's guest, Nadia Nordhais. If you want to buy Gulfos, and of course I highly recommend that you do go and grab your copy today, you'll be able to find it on Nadia's Bandcamp page. You can also head to nadianordhais.com to be directed to that page and also to see Nadia's upcoming tour dates. I do know that she is going to be on the road with Maria Schneider's Jazz Orchestra. And, you know, that's a phenomenal large ensemble to hear live if you haven't yet had the pleasure. Thank you to our patrons who make this podcast possible. If you're interested in joining our Patreon page, you can head to thejazzsession.com slash join. I don't know why I said our. This is a one-woman run show. So, I mean my, but that sounds very possessive. Thank you to the Respect Sextet for the theme music. You can find out more about them at respectsextet.com. You can follow The Jazz Session on Twitter, at jazzsesh, and you'll find me us on Instagram and Facebook at The Jazz Session. There's also a Jazz Session YouTube channel to which you can subscribe if you want to see, yes, watch video excerpts from my conversations with this season's guests. Please do tell folks about the podcast if you enjoy it and if you're finding out lots of lovely information about these wonderful musicians and their creative process and the music that they are releasing into the world. Thank you for listening, and I will see you next week for another episode of The Jazz Session, the original jazz interview podcast.